my name is Damien, I'm one of the elders here, um, and uh, before I get into um, unpacking our passage today, I'd love to, love to pray for us, so let's, let's pray together. Loving God, we come before you now, and Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would work in us, that you would um, fill this building, fill, fill, fill us, that you will just um, open our eyes and our, and our hearts and our ears to hear from you in a way that we couldn't by ourselves. Um, because at the end of the day, without you opening our minds and our hearts to understand your truths, I might as well not be up here. So I commit, I commit this time to you and ask that you speak to us, um, that, you, that you shape us, that you change us, and that you lead us. Amen. Um, we are in, um, as you can see behind, uh, in, our, in our series looking at uh, Simon Peter, a bit, of a bit of a character study over a, a number of weeks. Um, certainly an interesting one. He, he has quite the journey um, from the moment that he's called by Jesus to follow and then um, you know, walks with Jesus, learns from him for, for a few years and uh, has some amazing, amazing moments, some uh, amazing failures. It's been, it's been uh, quite the journey. Um, last week, Steve Early uh, looked at, uh, was uh, looking at after Jesus' resurrection and, and that, that, that way that uh, Jesus restored Peter after he had denied him. So we're kind of fresh from that and then we, we come into Acts chapter 1. Now, um, if you're not all that familiar with your Bible, that's absolutely fine. Um, we've got the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, which are the stories of Jesus and, and what he did when he was on the earth and an earthly, in, you know, earth in, well, he's still, still got a body, but he was, he was on the earth, earthly presence. And then uh, we have this book of Acts. Now, Acts is basically Luke part two, because Acts was written by Luke um, and, in it, and as he said in verse 1, it's actually very much a continuation. In verse 1, he actually says, um, he's addressing Theophilus, the person he wrote this for, and he said, in, in the first book, which we call Luke, he, he dealt with, he says this in verse 1, was everything that Jesus began to do and teach, which shows us that even though in the book of Acts, G- Jesus himself personally is not, um, he's not around all that much, uh, it, it's still a continuation of what Jesus began in the first book, in Luke. Um, and so, in, in, uh, as we approach this, this book of, of Acts in chapter 1, I've got to admit, when I, when I first uh, looked at this a couple of weeks ago, when I knew I was speaking on this passage, I read through Acts 1, I was like, oh yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's cool, it's, yeah, it's, it's a start to an important book, but, you know, sometimes as a preacher, you read the passage and there's, there's things that immediately grab you, like, oh yes, like, you know, the church needs to hear this, or I can really unpack this. Nothing really grabbed me in Acts 1, I was kind of like, yeah, okay, it's, it's a bit of a strange chapter in a couple of ways. Um, but then I, I sort of went back and did some reflecting on it, and, and I realized I was making a mistake that we, we so often do when we approach the Bible, when we approach God's Word, and that is we, we read passages in isolation. We read them as, um, you know, without, without really um, d- uh, uh, digging into the broader context and kind of the, the big narrative arc of what God's been doing. And so I want to actually start by doing that this morning, um, just, just unpacking a little bit of how this group of people that we read about in this room, how they came to be there and what had, what had been happening um, recently. And, and this is an important tool for us whenever we read Scripture, because if we read any passage of Scripture completely in isolation and don't, don't take it as part of what God is saying more broadly in His Word, then we're going to um, get a lot less benefit from God's Word than we would. So, what this group essentially are facing is it's like, all right, Jesus is gone, so what now? Jesus is gone, as we heard in the passage, he, he went back to be with his father. Jesus is gone, so what now? So they'd spent, they'd spent about three years 
um, w- walking with Jesus, quite, quite literally walking with Him and, and learning from Him and um, being, you know, sometimes lovingly corrected and disciplined by Him, but they'd learned so much, they'd seen Him work, uh, perform amazing miracles and their lives had just been completely transformed. For Peter, it was he was literally called off a fishing boat to follow Jesus and ha- had their lives completely transformed, turned upside down. And then, in the last few weeks leading up to this passage, everything's been flipped on its head again. They, they didn't see it coming. They didn't understand that Jesus had to die. They didn't understand that he was going to die and be, and be resurrected again. And so, in the last few weeks, they've come to realize that actually everything they understood was wrong and they had the wrong idea about everything. They've gone through this deeply traumatic experience of watching their, their friend and, and teacher die horribly and then this incredible excitement and disbelief of watching him, uh, of seeing him physically risen. They've, they've had everything flipped on their head in the last few weeks and, and Jesus has been, it says 40 days, so a few weeks he's been uh, with them, appearing to a select group of people to show that he is indeed resurrected. So there's a lot going through their minds at this moment. Um, you know, persecution is looking very, very likely for the people in this room. Um, persecution from the Jewish leaders, persecution from the Romans, uh, people who have the power to imprison them, to beat them, to kill them. They know this is a very real possibility. Peter's denial of Jesus is fresh in the memory at this point. As we heard last week, Jesus restored him in, in relationship and um, restored him to a place of leadership within the church, but that's very fresh in the memory that Jesus had personally, betra- uh, not betrayed, but personally let down and, and denied Jesus quite publicly. That's fresh in the mind. And there's also this gaping hole where the betrayer was, where Judas was. Now, we're so used to the term Judas and like, you know, even if you're not, not involved in church, everyone knows what it means if you're a Judas. That's just in our common vernacular these days. But for them, Judas was one of their closest friends. He'd been, he, he, he was, they all assumed, going to be one of, along with the, the other 11, going to be the key, the key people. He was a key person. He was, one, he, followed, he was one of Jesus' key disciples. He was one of the 12 apostles. And he betrayed Jesus and then killed himself. And so there's this gaping hole where, where Judas was. And at this point, Jesus, we, we hear in, a, in an earlier passage that Jesus had already opened their minds to understand more of the Scriptures. But there's still things they don't fully understand. As we see in verse 6, it says that it, when they're asking about, you know, are you restoring the kingdom now? They, they were kind of getting there, but they, didn't, they still didn't have a full understanding, a proper understanding of what the kingdom of God was going to look like. They were still kind of expecting this like earthly, political, military kind of kingdom where the Romans would get what was coming to them. And they still didn't quite understand what Jesus' plan was. Um, and on top of that, he basically told them to wait. Because he said, there's power that's going to come. This helper is going to come. And we now know that's the Holy Spirit. In the very next chapter, the Holy Spirit comes in, in fullness of power. But at this point, they've been told to wait. And so they're very much in a moment of, all right, so what, what now? Where to? Where to from here? You know, things are, things are not in the place we expected. In fact, our expectations have been turned on their heads several times lately. So what happens now? How do we move forward? The story is very much at a tipping point very much at a tipping point. As we, um, you know, read in the first half of the chapter, that the Son of God, God in the flesh, who has defeated death and resurrected, He leaves. He leaves the earth only, only weeks afterwards. And so, you know, a large number, well, a relatively large, a few hundred people had seen Him in His resurrected state, but that's still only a fraction of Jerusalem. Still only a fraction of the people of the city had, had seen the risen Jesus. 
and the apostles are ready, like they're all raring and ready and raring to go for Jesus to begin his like reign as king. They're like, bring it on. And then he leaves. And so we have this epic tipping point in the story, and it's the post the post-earthly Jesus, it's like this, this new chapter in human history. Everything's leading up to this point, and now the earthly Jesus has gone to be with his father again, and we have basically the beginning of the rest of history starts at this point. It's a huge tipping point. And so, it begins with a business meeting. It begins with admin, with governance. It's this weird, it's a weird passage, it's kind of a weird passage, isn't it? There's some beautiful stuff in there, but it's, it's not the, like the epic start to the early church that you might expect. But as we read and as we dig into it more, we see that it's, it's definitely not like business for business's sake. There's a very clear agenda here. This is actually a very prayerful, prayerful, deliberate beginning to the post-earthly Jesus world. And this is actually a very important step for them to fulfill their calling as a community, which, um, which brings me to, I've got two, 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 things that, two main things I want you to remember this morning. The first one's going to be on the screen now, and that is that when there's lots of noise, lots of distractions, lots going on, refocus on your calling. And I actually want to make it very clear from the start today, I'm mostly talking about a collective calling. Now, Individual calling, like even Peter. Peter was obviously individually called by Jesus. And God does sometimes lay a, a calling on the heart of individual people. Personally, I, I, the, 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 the one time this has clearly happened for me was many years ago. I, I very clearly felt God calling me to be a teacher. And I, and I still am today. Now that does happen sometimes. But mostly, the calling of God is not to individuals. It's to a people. You can actually trace this theme all throughout the Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, in harmony over this. God is always try, always in the process, in the mission of calling a people to himself. Now, the fascinating thing is that he actually tries a few different strategies over the years, over the millennia. But you trace the story of God all through the Old Testament and New Testament ever since creation. It's a one big story of God calling a people to himself. And so today, we're looking at not merely... Peter's calling as an individual, but as a key leader in a called community, and a community, a group of people that have been called to something incredibly special, which we are as well. And so this, um, you know, these 120 or so people, they've, they've, they've been through the ringer in the last few weeks. They've, they've had a crazy uh, time of it in the last couple of months. And, you know, like I said, their world has been turned upside down a few different times, um, and, and they're waiting for power to come, so in this, in this crazy waiting period, and so they're, they're thinking to themselves, all right, how, how do we move forward from here? Where do we go from here? How, how do we refocus on our calling as we're waiting on the Lord? Now, I think we need to, another, another general pr principle that I think we need to approach God's Word with is not being too hasty to uh, draw parallels between ourselves and people we find in the Bible. I think we're often a bit too quick to do that. So let's not, let's not jump into like, oh, this was the lesson for the early church. It must be the lesson for City Reach. So let's be cautious with that. But I do think there's an important principle to draw out here, which is very applicable for us here today. Um, and that is, you know, how do we, the question is, how do we move forward as God's people amidst uncertainty? You know, Peter knew, they all knew, but Peter as the, as the, the, the main leader, um, he knew that they needed to have the house in order, they needed to have things organised, so that when God set them power, this, this helper, this Holy Spirit, they'd be ready for, to fulfil their calling. 
And now we've, we've all, like individually in our personal lives and, and um, collectively as, as a church, we've all experienced new chapters and big change and, and, and big events that have uh, changed our life direction or turned things on their head. But I think we need to, to put that to the side and put ourselves in the shoes of what these guys have gone through. And I won't go over that again because I've already, already kind of mentioned that. But they've gone through a crazy amount of stuff. And now this that we read about this morning, this is the first meeting they've had together since Jesus has gone back to be with his father. This is the first post-Jesus meeting, post-Jesus on earth, you know what I mean. But like they, hadn't, they, they, they were still in this waiting period, they hadn't received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has gone, I mean, talk about a missing presence in the room. Talk about a gap that's been left. I, I really feel for Peter, it's like they, they've, they've had Jesus as their leader and they've been looking at him for the last three years and then Jesus has gone, it's all eyes on Peter. I mean, talk about big boots to fill, that's, that's huge. And that's the, position, that's the situation they find themselves in, in this, in this text. Talk about daunting. And it's a, it kind of puts our situation here into perspective, doesn't it? You know, for them, everything had gone topsy-turvy. They, they'd realized, they'd been humbled several times by realizing, oh, actually, what we thought was happening is not happening. We've got this all wrong. That's happened a couple of times. Now Jesus has departed after one of their members, their friends, had betrayed him and, and killed himself. And yet Peter stands up. Peter stands up. And he doesn't get bogged down by dwelling on the uncertainties. He brings them back to their primary calling. And as we read in the text, their primary calling is to be witnesses, to be witnesses to what they've seen and heard. Now, witness is literally, think about it in a court of law, a witness tells what they've seen or what they've heard what they've observed. That's what these, well, that's what these um, apostles are, and, and the whole community of believers are called to do, is to witness to the resurrection of Jesus, to go and see of what they've seen and what they've heard. That's what Peter reminds them. That's our primary calling. And so even though it seems like this weird business meeting to replace the departed member, it's actually like, well, we need to make sure that we are ready to fulfill our calling as a community. So what are we going to do to be ready? And in verse 22, he actually says this clearly. He says, um, because, you know, just for brief context, like the number of 12, they were going to start out by ministering to the, um, to the, to the Jewish people, so the 12, uh, the, 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 the Jews needed to see that there was this important number, symbolism of 12 apostles um, preaching to the 12 t- tribes of Israel, this is something that was very important. And in verse 22, um, Peter says that the new apostle, the replacement for Judas, must become with us a witness. That was the whole reason. It was so that they could witness to what they'd seen and heard. There's a, a very clear direction here that Peter gives. He brings them back to what they're called to do. And there's definitely a lesson for us here. There's definitely a lesson for us here. Because it's so easy to just get bogged down with stuff, whatever that might be, with stuff. And often it's good stuff. Often it's worthwhile stuff. And as an elder, I can kind of relate. Like <laughs> We often, we got a lot of stuff to do with. And a lot of it's great. But sometimes it's easy Regardless of our role in the church or whether, regardless of our, our life outside the church, it's easy to get bogged down in the weeds of things that actually sometimes can distract us from what we're actually called to do as the people of God. I'm not saying we shouldn't do these things because often they're, they're really worthwhile things. But I'm saying we should really press into the why. Like, why are we doing, doing these things? And every person in that room, Peter made sure they knew why they were replacing this, this 12th member. They knew exactly why it was happening. It was so they could go and be the people of God called to witness to the world. And so things like you know, governance, admin, church structure, programs that we run, all that stuff is awesome. 
They're crucial, and we should do them, but their goal is to help us fulfill our calling as the people of God. They're not the goal in themselves, they're the means to an end. They're to assist us in our calling and not distract from it. And so, for us as a congregation, with many aspects of uncertainty and um, you know, leadership turnover and um, you know, transition uncertainty about the future, it's, it's really useful, I find it really useful to just take our eyes off ourselves a bit and have a look at a, a group of believers who have gone through so much more than we have or could ever imagine, like exponentially more, and their level of uncertainty is much higher than anything we have. And so what do they do? They focus on, well, what can we do right now to fulfill our calling or, and be prepared to fulfill our calling as the people of God? Great lesson for us. And they're led by a man in Peter, who, as we've heard over the last few weeks, makes often misstep after misstep, has, has some amazing moments of, of understanding of who Jesus was and had this incredible relationship with, with Jesus. Um, and so he wasn't just, he wasn't useless. He was like, God used him for amazing things, but he kept making mistakes, missing the point, misunderstanding things, um, you know, getting lovingly but often firmly rebuked by Jesus. And here he is, standing before the whole group of them, emboldened in his leadership, emboldened because he knows what they're there to do, and he knows that he's got to bring them back to what they're called to do. So, another layer of, uh, you know, something that I think they would have been wrestling with, if I'm putting, them, putting myself in their shoes, is if I, was, if I was in that room, especially if I was Peter, I'd be thinking, Jesus, why this way? Like, why are you doing it like this? Why us? Why have you gone, and why are we here doing this? Surely, Jesus, surely, you would be better at this than we would. You want us to witness about your resurrected, uh, the fact that you've resurrected, defeated death, and that you're um, calling people to yourself and, and instituting the kingdom of God? You know who would be perfect to do that, Jesus? You. You know who would not be perfect? Us. We stuff things up. It's what we do. So, Jesus, why are you doing it this way? And yet, this is, is huge for us because here we see the character of God and how he wants to relate to his people. And this is massive for us. Like this, if ever there's something that's relevant for them and relevant for us, it's, it's this. And so my, my second point that I want you to take home today is that God is very, very, very determined to involve us in his story. He's very determined to involve us in his story. Um, just show the next picture, please, if you wouldn't mind. Um, this is, this is my boy, my boy the Bont. Um, he's an amazing player. Uh, may have been robbed of the Brownlow by Ollie Wines last year, but we won't talk about that. Um, but he is an amazing football player. Um, and, and I just want you to imagine for a second, even if like, a lot of you, I know, have got no interest in football, can't really, just, just, just humor me here. Just imagine, you're at the footy. For some of you, it'd be the first time. You probably wouldn't care. You'd just be on your phone or whatever. But, but humor me here. You're at the footy. Let's say it's the grand final. 100,000 people at the MCG going crazy. Incredible atmosphere. Games on the line, sporting immortality, as it were, is a huge, huge thing. And as you're watching, it's coming up like the crowd's in a frenzy. It's, it's late in the premiership quarter, late in the third quarter. It's, 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 it's all going down. And then maybe one of the coaching staff or um, maybe one of the players themselves comes over to you because you're sitting in the front row, in my analogy here. You're sitting in the front row, and someone important from the team comes over and said, you're in. Come, come and join us. We want you in here. We need you. Come and help us win. And then when we win, not if we win, when we win, when we win, 
you, you're, beyond, you're, you're one of us, you're, you're, on the, you're on the dais, you're getting a medal, you're singing the song, you're lifting the cup, you're in. And the next slide, uh, a subject I'm a little less confident talking about, but we'll do my best, like orchestra. Now, I'm not a music person, but I, can, I think we can all appreciate when you're just enjoying just a majestic, beautiful performance, and it's just working up to a climax, and everything's in harmony. It's just, it's just so good, it's just right. And then as they're approaching the climax, they stop, and the conductor points to you in the front row and says, come on, you're in, join in. We want you to join in here. Grab an instrument. And you're like, oh, I've never, I've never played before. I've ne I'm not a musician. I should just be watching. Just let me sit and enjoy this. I want to enjoy this. You're like, no, nah, you're in. We want you in. We want you in. Now, if you're in one of those situations, called into the footy grand final or called into the, to the orchestra, how, how would you feel? Like, may, maybe, maybe there's be an aspect of excitement, like, wow, this is awesome. I get to be on the big stage, like, literally. Like, this is so cool. But I think mostly, this is how I feel anyway, I'd be like, whoa, no. Like, no, that, that doesn't seem right. Like, you guys are awesome at it. I'm not. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it. It just doesn't seem right for me to join in and, and, and for, I'm going to stuff everything up. It just seems wrong. So I think I'd decline. I think I'd be flattered, flattered, but it just wouldn't feel right. And I'll tell you what, if I was sitting in that room with Peter and his friends, especially if I was Peter, there'd be a voice inside me that'd be like, this is wrong. Jesus, why this way? Like, we should be watching you do this. You're the person for this. Why, why, why have you gone and left us to do it? We're going to stuff it all up. This isn't right, Jesus. And so in a human sense, it makes no sense of all, not no sense at all what we just read. Like, why, why has Jesus left and left his friends who always stuff things up to go and witness to the world? And as we read on, I mean, things are great, but there's also problems. Humans cause problems. And so, Jesus, why are you doing this? It makes, it makes no sense. You, Jesus, you want, us, you, you want us to be your hands and feet? You know who would be better than that? You. You'd be better at that. Use your hands and feet. Doesn't make any sense. But this is who God is. That's who God is. He created us for a purpose. He created us to know him. He didn't create us just to, 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 to be a spectator and when we get to heaven one day, we're just on clouds worship, bowing down, worshipping Jesus. There'll be lots of worship, but we'll be caught up in that. We'll be, we'll be part of God's kingdom. It says we'll be co-heirs with Jesus. The whole story of God and humanity is God calling people to himself to join in and to be part of it. That's who God is. He wants us to be swept up in his master plan, in his, in his grand performance. You know, Peter, as I said before, was literally called off a fishing boat to follow the Son of God. I mean, that dwarfs any experience we've had. Of, like that, the, the, even the footy, if that actually happened to you with the footy in the orchestra, that's nothing compared to Peter being plucked off a fishing boat to follow the Son of God. And so, for God to use us to carry out His mission in the world, in a human sense, it's, it's just incredible. It makes no logical sense. But just to return to the footy analogy for a sec, what if I changed it slightly? What if it's 10 minutes to go on the match and your team's already winning by 100 points? Not 119, 100. <laughs> Awkward giggles. But no, let's imagine. You're already 100 points up, 10 minutes to go. So there's no way you can lose. And like, come on, join in, come play, come join us. You'll be part of it. You'll be part of the celebrations at the end. 
well, I'd still be terrified, but I'd be pretty keen. Well, yeah, I'd love a premiership medallion. Bring it on. doesn't matter. You know, who cares if I don't touch the ball or if I drop an easy mark or if everyone sees how slow and unfit I am? Like, it doesn't matter because we're going to win. I'm on the winning team. It's going to be amazing, and I'm called to join in with that. Now, Jesus has already won. Jesus has already won. We don't know how long there is to go, but he's already won, and he's calling us into the game. He's saying, be part of this. I want you to be part of this, what I'm doing. I could do it all myself. I'm easily powerful enough to do it all myself, but I don't want to. I want you to join in. And so the question for us is, are we, how prepared are we to get into the game? How keen are we to get into the game if God is that determined to use us to bring about his master plan in the world? Because the Holy Spirit, who we have today, is so powerful that we can't lose. We can't lose. And, you know, Peter, as we've seen, was a lot of the time a bit of a bumbling fool, and the church, broadly, is often like that too. Like, often we don't do a great job of representing Jesus to the world. It's, it seems like a scandal every other day. It's, it's horrible. But that's no accident for God. He knows exactly how much we need Him, and yet He still wants us to be the ones that bring about His plan in the world. And so we've traced some of the, you know, the key steps of Peter's journey, the, the huge highs, big successes, huge lows, big stuff-ups. We've traced all that through, and the, you know, Jesus would not have had that any other way. Like, just, just go back and, and read the Peter and Jesus stuff again. Like, even in the words in the text, you can almost see like, the enjoyment of Jesus, even, even though Jesus is personally crushed by, Jesus, by, by Peter's denial. That's a, a personal, deeply hurtful thing. But Jesus wouldn't have it any other way than journeying with Peter through the highs and the lows, and it's the same with us, his church. He wouldn't have it any other way. He wouldn't have it any other way. God chose to use Peter. Didn't have to. Didn't have to. He, chose to, he chooses to use us. Doesn't have to, but he does. Now, this, this is, for me, one of those truths that we will never even come close to fully understanding this side of eternity. Like, this should blow our minds. I'd like to say that it blows my mind every day. Often it doesn't. I take this for granted, okay? But let's just stop and marvel at this, that God chooses to use us as part of his, his plan of redemption and glory in the world. As Jesus could have just... Imagine, imagine for a sec, if Jesus just appeared to all the key people, he, he maybe went to all the people that were involved in his trial, like, you know, Annas and Caiaphas and Pilate and Herod, if he'd gone to all the key Roman leaders, all the key Jew, could, Jewish leaders, could have gone to uh, Caesar himself, he could have um, come in the 21st century where his trial could be broadcast all over the world on all the different news networks, and then social media shows his resurrection, like, you know, imagine that on social media, the dead guy comes back to life, that would be a big deal, like, Jesus could have done it that way, but he didn't choose to. He didn't choose to. He chose to appear to a few hundred people and then he said, I'm sending you, be my witnesses. So the crucial thing for us to remember, remember is this is a gift. It's a gift for us to be called into that. It, it dwarfs the, like it, the, the, the footy and the, and the music. Like imagine if you did that and it actually went brilliantly. It would be an amazing feeling. Like this just dwarfs that laughably like it's just it's it's a daunting thing it's a daunt if you're sitting there feeling uncomfortable like I'm, I'm daunted by the fact that God's calling me to to be part of this and to be his witnesses in the world that's okay like I'm not expecting you to be jumping out of your skin and have no fear it's daunting but it's the path to life 
It's a path to life to be caught up in something so much bigger than ourselves. And as, as City Reach, communally, like I said, this is, this is a, a communal calling. It's not just individual. Our calling is to participate in this. And I mean really participate. To be part of God's church where we're signposting the world to him. You know, Peter knew this. And he knew that amidst all the uncertainty, he had to bring his friends back to this. And so if you're fairly new to the whole church thing or the Bible thing and it's all a little bit foreign to you, you really don't know what to make about this passage of weird death details and, and, and admin stuff and just, just, yeah, you're not sure what to make of it. Details are important, but look past those for a sec. Look at the bigger picture of what's happening here, of what God is choosing to do with these people. And realize that God created you for a reason, to know him and to journey with him. Now, the world sells us this uh, attractive but quite disgusting lie, which is that the way to fulfillment and happiness and joy is to make your life all about yourself and to make you the center and do what feels right to you. Well, that's actually a lie. It is a lie. The truth is, now you might not agree with me, that's fine, you're still welcome here, not going to chase you out, but the truth is, that you've actually been created by someone who wants to know you and he wants to include you in something that's so much bigger than yourself and something that's guaranteed, all right? If you, newsflash, if you run your own life and make it all about yourself, it's not going to go well a lot of the time because we tend to stuff everything up, okay? But when you're, when you're following Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit and to put it in a, in, a, in a simplistic way, we're on the winning team, all right? Jesus has already won. What an amazing story to be called up in. Certainly better than any story I could create for my own life. And so, as I move towards the ending here, the last thing I want to leave with you, and this, is, this was so massive to the early believers, um, is that their calling kept them united. Um, I've, got a, I've got a quote to read for you. This is from Warren Wisby's commentary on this chapter, actually. Um, he says, How easy it would have been for someone to bring division into this beautiful assembly of humble people. For someone to bring division into this beautiful assembly of humble people. The members of the Lord's family might have claimed special recognition. Or Peter could have been criticized for his cowardly denial of the Savior. Or perhaps Peter might have blamed John because it was John who brought him into the high priest's house. John might well have reminded the others that he had faithfully stood at the cross and had even been chosen by the Savior to care for his mother. But there was none of this. In fact, nobody was even arguing over who among them was the greatest, which they had a tendency to do previously. Because their calling was so clear. They knew there was way too much at stake to quibble over any of that. Way too much at stake. It kept them united. And so as we read on in the New Testament, it's not, not all smooth sailing, but a common theme is that the unity they had was so beautiful. It's so beautifully described in the New Testament, and it's important for us today because, and I want to be clear, like this is, when, it's talking, when the Bible talks about unity, it's not just talking about unity within a community. Now, that is important. It is, it is a good and special thing that within City Reach Oakton, we have a special kind of bond with people within your community group, within people who are in a similar walk of life with you, with your friendship group. That's really good, all right? That's, that's, that's godly. God loves that kind of that, that yearning for, for intimate community. But when it's talking about unity among believers, it's talking about believers, okay? It's talking about the church. And a church that isolates itself off from other communities or other believers is not operating in line with scripture and I'm so grateful I'm so grateful in Adelaide for and beyond Adelaide but especially in Adelaide for the other communities of believers that they might not 
do things the way we do all the time. They might not believe everything that we do on, on secondary things, but they're our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we get to do, we get to serve God alongside them. They're partners with us in the gospel, and that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And so I'm going to finish by putting a couple of questions to you. Coming back to what I was saying earlier, are, are we letting, again, we, communally, are we letting you know, noise, uncertainty, circumstances, distract us from our calling as the people of God. Let's, let's pray. I'm, gonna, I'm shortly I'm going to pray to finish. So let's, let's pray that, God's gonna, that God will give us opportunities this week to, to witness to Him. Now, that often makes some of us uncomfortable, but it can be as simple as just living your life in a way that people notice something is different. Not just that you're cheerful or friendly, because anyone can do that, but like, let's pray that God... That the Holy Spirit within us puts on display for people to see that our hope is in something else other than this world. That our joy comes not from seeking what's good for me and me building my own life, but my joy comes from something bigger. Let's pray that God helps us to put that on display. And that when moments come where we can actually use our words to speak of what we've seen and heard, even though none of us have seen the resurrected Jesus physically, we're still called to, see, to, to, to uh, witness about what we've seen and heard. So let's pray that God gives us boldness to speak about that. It's not always spectacular. It can be little steps in conversation, in relationship with people that we work with, or we study with, or we hang out with. And have we stopped lately just to marvel at the fact that God chooses to use us in His story? It's the least efficient way. It's the least logical way. But He, he wouldn't have it any other way. That's, a, that's an incredible thing that we, that we skim over too much. So let's stop this week to marvel at that. And so I'm actually going to pray those two things now. So I'll invite, I'll invite the band up. So maybe it's just when you walk through these doors next Sunday, revisiting the why of why you do that. Maybe it's community group during the week, whether you go or you just don't feel like it for whatever reason. Or maybe it's an area that you're serving within the church. Maybe it's a, a, a conversation over coffee with someone who either does know Jesus or doesn't know Jesus. I'm going to pray for us now that before those moments that the Holy Spirit will just impress upon us just the magnitude of, of who we are in Christ, the fact that we're called to join in with God's story and so nothing we do has no significance. Even coming through these doors, it's so easy, I can relate to this, it's so easy just to come in because that's what we do. Let's pray this week that the Holy Spirit would weigh on us just the incredible magnitude of the fact that we are fulfilling God's calling, we are witnesses to Jesus in this world and everything we do feeds into that. So let's pray this morning as we, as we close. Loving God, it's, it, we, we can't even find the words to describe how incredible it is that you call us, that you choose us, that you've saved us. But I guess what we've, what we've reflected on today is, is an example of how, Jesus, you didn't just die to wipe our slate clean and get the, wipe the sins off, but you, 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 you saved us to be your people. And we, we often fall short of living that out. And so we need your Spirit's help. Holy Spirit, please just equip us to be the church, to be, to be the called people that you want us to be. To not be discouraged when we fall short, but to encourage each other. And to take joy in the fact that we get to be the signposts that point people to you. And so as we go out this week, as we, as we sing now, as we hang out with Christian friends during the week, as we see non-Christian friends, help us to just live in such a way that points to you. 
because we are marveling at what you've done for us and you're marveling at the, we are marveling at the fact that you have included us in your master plan. It's an awe-inspiring thing and we love you and we're grateful. Amen. Amen.